Hi, this is Kendra Nielsen-Miles. I am a certified health education specialist and yoga instructor, and this is the Restored Wellness Podcast. Restored Wellness is a podcast that brings you information and resources for restoring function, hope, and patient empowerment. Our focus is on chronic pain, fatigue, and other chronic, often invisible medical conditions. We have a specific interest in hypermobility disorders and related conditions, movement, nutrition, and mind-body strategies for living well. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, this is Kendra Nielsen-Miles. I'm here with Dr. Linda Bluestein. We're here for the inaugural first episode of the Restored Wellness Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about integrative medicine and what is it, what it's not, and what we're uh, focusing on for this podcast. Dr. Bluestein, would you mind giving me a little bit of introduction about yourself? Sure. Well, I grew up in Southern California, so I had um, you know, a little bit different exposure then than I have now. Now I live in the Midwest, but I grew up in Southern California, went to college at uh, UC Irvine, and I actually chose my college because of their dance program, not because of their biology program. As an avid dancer, that was really important to me. And So dancer or medical doctor? Right, right. Well, that I, I, I was hoping to be a dancer for my career, but um, it it's worked out okay. So I'm excited to be able to work with dancers now and um, I'm really enjoying that. And then I went on to UCLA, went there for medical school. And when I graduated medical school, moved to the Midwest thinking it was going to be a short-term thing. Uh, moved to the Midwest to do training at the Mayo Clinic and um, in anesthesiology. And after uh, finishing my program, I ended up actually staying in the Midwest, and now we've been here for, for quite some time. And uh, I have had a, I had a very, very busy practice in the OR for over 20 years. And then uh, due to some of my own circumstances and, and using so much of what I had learned over all those years, have actually now gotten uh, very involved in integrative medicine and in particular integrative, approach, integrative approaches in treating pain. And I'm finding that um, you can get so much more success when you use an integrative approach um, and so that's what I'm doing now. I opened a clinic a couple of months ago, and it is called Wisconsin Integrative Pain Specialists. And um, I'm just very fortunate to be able to be doing what I'm doing. And I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you today. How did you end up from Mayo Clinic in Minnesota to Wisconsin, though? I'm just curious. Uh, so my husband is also a physician, and when we finished our when you know he was finishing his training, I was already out for a couple of years, and I worked in Winona, Minnesota. And when he finished his training, we were just looking at opportunities and found good opportunities here in Wisconsin and ended up putting down roots. And we've been here this summer. It'll be 21 years. So it was um, a, a good decision. And it's been uh, a very interesting path. And the integrative approach, I think, is something that has been done for longer on both of the coasts but it's definitely catching on more in the midwest as well and it's exciting to see people utilizing you know the best of uh different worlds so we need to do yeah, that I, because a lot of people are suffering yeah i was gonna say I, I remember when my mom was at the mayo clinic and she uh, was suffering from amyloidosis which is a rare condition and it was wonderful to see the and they weren't necessarily integrative, but just how the different specialties work together as a team 
And they also, but they did have integrative approaches. It wasn't as we know it now, but it was an exciting time. I mean, this was a number of years ago, but I loved the Mayo Clinic. It was amazing how to see a, how a ship could run like that and how a team that really works together can work. And of course, it, it wasn't necessarily integrative in, in its approach to medicine, but it was a team approach and integrative in the way of the additional different specialties working together. Yes. Because a condition like my mom had affects it's multi-systemic, but she also had pre-existing conditions and a heart issue, and that was all related and probably related to underlying things. And but that's also why we're here. But seeing how the Mayo Clinic ran, it was just it was a fascinating thing. Um, it was actually I worked for them, or I didn't work for them. I we were there. My mom was sick when I was with Johnson and Johnson, and I had just just I think I had graduated in 2000 from a University of Maryland with a degree in public health. And I had chosen that route because growing up, my parents were divorced, but I had lived with my mom and my grandmother mostly, and they were both very, very sick, especially my mom, my grandmother. My mom was also sick, but she worked. But she would work, and she would come home, and she would lay in bed. She was also an alcoholic. She was severely overweight. She was sober. I think she became sober when I was five. But my gram, we used to call her grandma with the pills, was, was suffering. She helped raise me, but she was bedridden. And pretty much my mom was too, just on a functional type bedridden approach, if you will. And um, I would, started exercising really young at like age 11 because everything in my family, even on both sides, it was like, you know, this was the blah, blah, blah trait from this family. This was the other trait from this family. And I remember getting to a point thinking, I don't want to accept this. You know, just because everybody's overweight on my mom's side of the family doesn't mean that that's how I have to do things. Just because that's a predisposition or whatever it was, I wasn't going to accept that that's just the way that things were. I wasn't going to accept that we were going to get older, be in pain, and, and I couldn't do anything about it. So at age 11, I started uh, doing buns of steel videos in my living room. I'll never forget VHS <laughs> tapes. Funny. Actually, probably was it was probably beta at the time. And I actually sat down that's and funny. I wrote these rules for myself that I, I have somewhere and I carried them throughout my life, but they were on these little sticky notes, like post-it notes. And it was like, I'm going to mow my own lawn. I'm going to, you know, take my own trash out. I'm going to do all these things that I remember at the time as a kid, I didn't know what was going on with my mom and grand, but they felt lazy to me, but they were also thinking big picture. They were associated with movement. You know, there was just a lot of daily movement that I could totally tell affected the well-being and, and wellness of my mom and my grandmother. Now, of course, they had conditions that affected them, but also the fact that they just laid in bed. I, I didn't know at the time what I know now, but I I could tell that that just affected them. They couldn't even walk in the mall with me to go shopping or, or things like that. It was just yeah, their lack of right. daily movement and, and willingness to do so, honestly, also affected their health and what they could also do from a capacity standpoint with me. So as a child, I was the youngest of three. I was 13 years younger than my brother and 11 years younger than my sister, and they were out of the house. My sister helped raise me in a lot of ways. My father was very active in my life, but you know, from a day-to-day -day standpoint, this is what I saw. They were bedridden. I started exercising. Even in high school, I would come home. I was always very, very fatigued. I had GI issues my whole life. Mm. I was also a Wilmer, I was a Wilmer Eye Institute kid from, you know, age three, I had a lazy eye. So there's definitely things that were indicative of something else going on. I always just thought it was the blah, blah, blah trait from this side of the family and this side of the trait from the other side of the family. But there were people with tons of medical issues in my family. I just wanted to fight against it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that the lack of movement in daily life and even pay attention to my own health and how I could help myself, or if I didn't, what that would then, 
how that would impact me. And I could see it right in front of my face. I saw it with my mom and my grandmother. And as a kid, I was very frustrated because their lack of attention or care for their health made me feel as if they didn't love me enough to care for themselves. So they might not be interested in health or wellness or working out like I was, but the fact that they did not want to, you know, help themselves made me feel as though they didn't love me enough. I wasn't worthy enough to try to do more, to try to be healthy. And healthy is, of course, a bigger, broader term. And now I know a lot of underlying conditions that they were struggling with that nobody understood. And they were very much ridiculed. But that's why I do what I do, because even with those conditions, we need a lot of awareness and understanding. But that doesn't mean we can't help ourselves. So fast forward to high school, I came home and I would sleep for two hours and then I would go work Mm, out. Wow. (laughs) Then I dislocated my knee. And then I thought, well, if I can just work out and stay healthy and surround myself around health and wellness, I'm kind of without knowing at the time, again, still what I was thinking if I surround myself around health and wellness and I eat well and exercise and I shape my genes, that's the way I looked at it in my head. I kind of was thinking, okay, if I shape my genes from a very young age on, even though I look like them and I was flexible like them, that I can change the trajectory of how my life goes and how my body goes. And even if I am diagnosed with whatever they have, that I am still in a better fighting position for myself. That's the way I viewed it. I literally viewed it as like a trajectory of like shaping my body figuratively and literally so that I wasn't overweight, I wasn't in chronic pain, but I was also shaping the inside. I've always thought on a cellular level. So the way I looked at it wasn't just from the outside, it was on the inside what that was doing to my cells, to my DNA. And so then I thought, okay, well, I'm also gonna major in public health and health and wellness. And my father said to me, what are you gonna do with a health education degree? (laughs) And I remember thinking, a lot, Dad, a lot. I don't know yet, but it's very broad, and there's a lot that I can do. I just know that this is the industry I want to focus on because in my head I was also thinking because I don't want to get out of it. I want to make sure that I'm on top of everything about my health and fight against it, and I didn't know what it was. So then my mom got sick in high school or in college um, while I was majoring in, in public health, and um, I used to work out all the time. I would do the firm videos religiously. I even got my sorority sisters to do them. And I would never go out with my friends. I was never a big drinker because it always made me super tired. But I would have to work out before I went out with my friends in order to have enough energy. But at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. She sold our house that we grew up in. So it was clear that her issues were getting more. My grandmother had moved to Florida at that point. My mom ended up moving in with my sister. And um, my sister and brother were also having kids at that point. So it was it was wonderful, but it was also a hard time. But I, I never, never thought this wasn't the right thing for me to do. But what that meant was that when I got out of college, I was going to go on to become a nurse practitioner with a joint master's in public health or a physician's assistant. I was going to go on further. Um, didn't think I was smart enough to go to medical school. I wanted to. That was a plan, but I just figured, okay, I'm going to go this route. Brian and I had also had been together. And... Um, I just decided, well, I'm not going to make any money and I can't support myself. So I ended up getting a job with um, a pharmaceutical company right out of college because I had to support myself. There was no home for me to move into. But my mom mm. was then diagnosed. She was did great and was in remission from breast cancer. But then um, she was diagnosed with cardiac primary amyloidosis. And uh, that... Mm. 
that oh, went like that. Rough. Yeah, it was tough. And then thinking, why, why did this happen? You know, why did this happen? You know, how did this happen? So that's probably be on another podcast and my, my theories on that. But um, that was how I came to find out about the Mayo Clinic. And then um, after I had my first son, after I was married, we had my first son, I was I think I was 26. By the time I was 27, I was diagnosed with a condition, decided that I didn't want to be on Social Security Disability, and I started my own medical sales business and then just became solely more involved in the community, either helping providers or helping uh, patients and speaking, and here we are. That's right. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... Yeah. Um, that's where we came from. I, then I also founded EDS Wellness, which is a nonprofit that focuses on helping people with hypermobility-related conditions. But there was a there was a lot of work before that that started. But EDS Wellness was officially incorporated as a 501c3 nonprofit in 2016. And and what I I mean to me the really fabulous thing about EDS Wellness the uh, programs that you've had are truly focused on that goal of being as well as possible and functioning at the highest possible level. And with the um, Lollapalooza uh, retreats that you've had and things, um, it's, you've had such a great focus and um, education and outreach to people. It's really a, a neat thing that you've done. It's really amazing. Well, I think, so. um, and what's important is that the, the purpose of Wellapalooza is wellness, obviously, but also integrative medicine. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions and lack of awareness on integrative medicine, even though you practice it, I understand what it is. But in the, med- either the medical field or in the patient community, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it is and how it might be able to help people. So what is integrative medicine? How did we get here? We're both here talking about it. We come from different, you know, obviously I'm not a provider, but I come from the public health and my own patient experience. You are a provider, come from your own patient experience. And we're together talking about the Restored Wellness Podcast, which is focusing on restoring function and living well and empowerment, but also focus on integrative healthcare. So what is it? What is integrative medicine? So integrative medicine utilizes the best of uh, both Western medicine and also less conventional type treatment modalities. Um, you'll, with integrative medicine, you see a lot of other things like you know acupuncture, look at um, diet, um, you, know, you look at herbs and sleep, and um, it's a whole person approach. It's very holistic, which um, means it just, it just means whole person. And we incorporate uh, the mind, the body, the spirit, all factors are considered. Generally speaking, integrative medicine is less invasive than conventional medicine, and we really view our patients as partners with us in their in their care. And it's also more heavily prevention focused. And um, another difference with between conventional medicine and, and integrative medicine is integrative medicine also utilizes more of the body's own healing responses. And, um, you know, it's, it, like I said, it really combines the best of both worlds. It's still scientifically based, but it also uh, utilizes some other, uh, some other modalities as well. So it, I think what's important is that people understand when they hear some of these terms, and we're going to go over just how, they di- how integrative medicine differs from these other approaches to medicine and wellness, but it's important to recognize that integrative medicine doesn't discount any other modality. It's not all or nothing one way or the other. It's really taking everything and putting it on the table and finding the best recipe for 
each person individually, no matter what condition they have and whether they have the same condition as 10,000 other people. It's about how to find the best recipe and approach for them because of their specific case, there are different barriers, there's epigenetic factors that play into all the way that we present, there's access to care. It's similar to the way that we look in public health, we call it the seven pillars of wellness. It's not just how what you eat and exercise, there's so many more factors that go into your wellness and overall well-being. And that's what we focus on when we develop programs and help specifically, specifically needy populations. So if we talk about how integrative medicine differs from different approaches to medicine and wellness, how would you say that it, on a basic scale, differs from like functional medicine? So there is a lot of overlap. It's a good question. There's a lot of overlap, but I would say that as a general rule, functional medicine is going to utilize uh, more unconventional treatments than integrative medicine will will use. And there's also a difference in that um, functional medicine is very heavily focused on things like bowel function, which is very important. And that's something that I definitely you know look at as well. But someone who is doing functional medicine is probably going to be um, quite heavily involved in that and utilizing a lot of nu- nutritional uh therapies, as well as, you know, things like um, vitamins, minerals, herbs. Um, they also might be looking at, you know, some, and I do, I do genetic testing like pharmacogenetics also, but I would say that functional medicine probably utilizes things like that more than a lot of, you know, people that are practicing integrative medicine might do. That's um, important because as a patient, I look at both of them kind of very similarly, but you're right. Those that focus on functional medicine, I'm sure that there's others that would disagree and they probably practice functional medicine, but a different approach. So there's always twists and different things that people do, especially if they are a medical doctor that has changed the way that they practice to be, to allow for more complementary and alternative methods, which is another term that we can discuss. But I, you're right. The function of the GI tract and the bowels that's it's interesting because you're right now that I think about it and I think about those that do practice that way but I'm sure everybody's a little bit different but that's important how about complementary approaches if they provide if they practice complementary medicine what is complementary medicine so complementary medicine and integrative medicine are actually there's a lot of similarities. Um, complementary medicine is when you use kind of non-mainstream practices together with conventional medicine, which is what very similar, obviously, to what integrative medicine is. Alternative medicine is when you're using non-mainstream practices instead of conventional medicine. So that's the difference between alternative and complementary medicine. And just like I, I really talk to my patients a lot about trying not to get too focused on labels. I think that that's something that can be um, you know, detrimental. I think as parents, it's actually good for us not to get too focused on labeling our children as well. And I think that um, the labels with these things are, are very, um, you know, there's a, like I said, there's a lot of overlap. And I think the important thing is to find people that you feel like really are listening to you and are really helping you. And the label I don't think matters as much as finding someone who, you know, explains things well, takes the time, you feel like they believe you. Um, that's something that a lot of people that have the connective tissue disorders like Ehlers-Danlos syndromes that you and I are both very involved with, um, a lot of them have been from doctor to doctor and they really, what they really struggle with is nobody believes them. And it's very, very frustrating. It's psychologically, you know, really devastating. And so when you find somebody that that believes you and you feel like is really going to help you and they seem knowledgeable. And I would get, 
less concerned about the label of what their practice is and more take more into consideration. Do they seem like they're they're taking the time necessary? Are they discussing different options with you? Are they explaining to you why they're recommending what they're recommending? And, um, and that kind of thing. I think that's more important. I, I agree with you. And I, I think it's also important to point out that there are institutions, very wonderful institutions that are, have great reputations like the Mayo Clinic, such as University of Maryland, even Johns Hopkins. These big research institutions that are on the cutting edge of a lot of different therapies and, and specific conditions, whatever it is, they're focused on Boston, different wonderful centers of excellence also have departments for complementary and alternative medical approaches. And they do this because sometimes those are the areas that develop the wellness programs to help people after they've had treatment, whatever it is. Um, that's where a lot of people in my with my background end up going. Uh, they either go into these the complementary and alternative departments to help develop the programs, if that's where the programs are. Um, they some institutions have them to help provide services. A lot of these complementary and alternative services can cost a lot. And there are great research studies on different therapies. And in order to help provide them to patients that might be going through regular mainstream medicine, these departments help um, offer them as a complementary approach too, with while they're going through other, you know, regular mainstream therapies. So it's important to point out that research institutions, reputable ones, also have different departments that offer these type of therapies. Um, there's so much misconception and misunderstanding in the patient population too, just about the, you know, what is really valid, what works, what doesn't, and, and they have to be, they should be thinking about it and looking into the research and doing their own research for empowerment purposes to understand the differences, but there are a lot of overlaps. The terms can be mis can, uh, misunderstood. And um, another another one is holistic. Um, like you said, it's whole body approach, and that's really the, the point of it. Yes, whole um, there's person, also mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, and there's also mind body strategies. I talk a lot about that. Mind body strategies is it that's not the same as acupuncture and different things, but it's more of utilizing uh, different approaches that use the mind and the body to come into connection together. There's a bunch of different complementary approaches that fall under there. So there's all these terms, and, and a lot of people get them mixed, understood, and and but in understanding how they might help them is important. But at the end of the day, it's important finding somebody that will help them in the way that you just described. So right. do you have anything else to add to that as far as like focusing on different terms or how these different approaches to medicine and wellness differ from integrative medicine? Well, I'm glad you brought up about a lot of what we would think of being more traditional centers, you know, like the Mayo Clinic, probably more people are aware of the University of Arizona's integrative medicine program. There's a big integrative medicine program at Scripps, and uh, there's a very active one at UCLA as well. So exactly like you said, there's more and more- Cleveland Clinic too. Right. The Cleveland Clinic has a huge one. Yep, yep. So there's a lot more places that are incorporating that as with, within their own conventional medicine infrastructure and everything. So um, that's exactly right. It's not just individual um, physicians, but you know some of these really big centers are also incorporating those mind-body type practices as well and um, you know seeing the benefits. And so incorporating these, these whole person type uh, approaches and utilizing the best of both worlds and also you know looking at prevention and uh, I think it's exciting I think it's really exciting 
I think it's very exciting too. I th- and when I look at the different terms like we just discussed and what integrative medicine is, to me, all those terms are incorporated in, in integrative medicine. I know the NIH also has a big department that does research on these different therapies and different modalities. That's important to point out too. It's not just one way or the other. It's not mainstream or not. It's, it's important to recognize that a lot of mainstream medicine, even traditional medicine, is also focusing on how these other modalities or different approaches to medicine and wellness can benefit their patients. Uh, whether it's from a treatment perspective or from a lifestyle behavior change long-term approach after they've gone through treatment. There's a lot of research that also has been done that's shown that these approaches, specifically mind-body, I'm thinking also, really help change the wiring of even the brain to help heal, whether it's for certain conditions, chronic pain, uh, PTSD. There's a lot of wonderful research that shows that not only can we have conditions that affect our you know, affect our health, whether we've been born with it genetically or epigenetics has changed it, changed it. But we also have a lot of approaches that are showing wonderful research that we can change it back to heal. There's so much that we talk about dysfunction, but we don't talk about how the body can heal and how amazing that is. And that's where a lot, I think, is so fascinating where the research really is going. And it's hopeful and it's helpful, but it's also very hopeful. We talk so much about dysfunction. We need to talk more about healing and doing research to, to really show how that can be done, not about just curing or remission, but healing. Absolutely. It's amazing what the what the body can do. And I don't think we really have even touched on what the mind the body can do and well and I I think I think that actually, you know, we we used to think that the mind and the body were separate and now we're really realizing that they are one and the same. That the the mind impacts the body and the body impacts the mind and that this Basically, this idea of that they're that they're connected um, is actually a better way to look at it is that they're they are one and the same. And so, what we think is very very powerful. And if nothing else, we can try to be more mindful, and that helps with stress reduction, which then has a positive impact on things like catecholamines and our um, you know hypothalamus pituitary axis. And so there's, there's things that we can do even just with our minds. So it's really yeah. exciting. And now it's that we have, yeah. And now that we have functional MRI, you know, we really have just had an, uh, an explosion of information in recent years as we're able to actually look at how the brain functions. So it's really exciting. I, I think that's probably one of the most fascinating parts of research and being part of this integrative medical movement if you will, an integrated medical and health movement is is really seeing the links that people are connecting, the research that's going into it, the the combination between traditional and mainstream medicine with complementary and alternative approaches and functional medicine and that really coming together as a team because that's what's important for patients to live well and restore function and and have empowerment is to really not feel as though they're going to their alternative acupuncturist doctor and and cheating on their mainstream medical doctor who's really helped them it's really about <laughs> it's, but that's how you feel sometimes as a patient but it's right. really important to understand True. that we are going in the right direction, maybe some others faster than others, but there is still so much more that we have yet to learn. And it's an exciting time, I believe, in medicine, as well as shaping or reshaping the way that the healthcare system will hopefully end up. Uh, it'll take time, but there is definitely issues within our own healthcare system, and that's a whole nother topic. But um, there's clear that it's not just how we practice and the need for combination and a team approach from these different approaches to medicine and wellness, but also that affects 
and has been affected by the way our healthcare system is set up. So that actually leads me to, before we go, we'll just make sure that we talk about real quickly what our next steps are in the next couple of podcasts. We're going to be focusing on integrative medicine in practice, what that actually means, who can it help, and specific conditions that may really benefit from an integrative medical approach. Do you have any other suggestions or statements before we go? No, I'm just excited to get to uh, share a wide variety of things with people. I know we have some exciting things planned and I think that uh, we also too will be looking for input, right? From people, if they have ideas of certain things that they would like us to address, will we be able to do that? Or yeah, for sure. Or speakers or guests or anything. Right. But I think this is just the beginning. Well, I know this is just the beginning. And uh, and I'm working on this, I think versus I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that last night on another, another webinar. But um, it's important to bring this information in a in the most reputable way we possibly can with different speakers, different topics. So whatever that people are interested in, we're happy to talk about it. It doesn't have to be specific on the conditions that I, you know, you and I spend most of our time on, but it can be on anything. It can right. be on cardiovascular health. It can be on parenting. It can be on children that struggle with ADD, ADHD, or sensory processing disorder, or autism, or whatever it is. It can be on a bunch of different things. Um, so whatever it is that people are interested in, we're happy to talk about. So suggestions are great. But the next time we're going to be focusing on really what is integrative medicine in practice, what it really looks like. What does it mean if a provider offers integrative medicine? What would they see in that type of practice, uh, who it can help, and specifically certain conditions that may benefit from an integrative approach? So thank you, Dr. Bluestein. Thank you for being with us again. Thank you. to talk the next time, and I look forward to our journey. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kendra. Okay. Okay.